Al Jazeera Podcasts. Anand Kuzmar spends most of his days on the phone with someone in Gaza. Looking for answers to questions he'd rather not be asking. I mostly get in touch with people after a journalist had been killed and try and establish the details of the story and double-check certain details. Anand works for the Palestinian Journalist Syndicate in the occupied West Bank. It's one of the few organizations, he says, that's trying to keep journalists in Gaza alive. Journalists like Al Jazeera's Wael Dachtoud are being deliberately targeted by Israel and others have received threats from the Israeli military to cease their work. And according to his organization, more than 100 journalists have been killed in Gaza since Israel's war began. More journalists have died reporting or filming in Gaza in just three months than during the six years of World War II. It's been hard on their community, including Anan. Instead of doing all that is possible to protect the lives of those who remain and the dignity of the profession worldwide, international media continues to choose to side with the oppressors and defend their crimes. So what's left of journalism in Gaza? Has the world abandoned these journalists? And why? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Before we started our interview with Anan, he was a little worried about the sound. He sent us a sample of what he was hearing. Drones. Israeli drones. Maybe it's useful to mention that we are, uh, Tulkarim, where I am, is under incursion, and there'll be sometimes some noises. You are based in the occupied West Bank city of Tulkaram. And not too long before we started this interview, there were Israeli drone strikes on the Tulkaram refugee camp. Actually, just before I went to sleep uh, last night, uh, I could hear the drones uh, flying low, uh, which is usually an indication that an, uh, an incursion is about to start. So I just basically rushed myself to sleep so that I don't hear all the noise that uh, happens. When I woke up, within a few hours, we heard uh, a loud explosion, then slowly, slowly reports of injuries. Then we saw medical teams in our area trying to evade the different roadblocks that the Israeli military had uh, placed at the entrance of the refugee camp to get to the bodies, and they were prevented from reaching them until four uh, had passed away mostly young men, in a drone strike by the Israeli army. I'm so sorry to hear that. Anand, you are the head of volunteers of the Palestinian Journalist Syndicate, but you are also a journalist, is that right? Yes, um, I actually joined the syndicate most recently. I had mostly worked as a researcher and a fixer I only joined as a volunteer at the beginning of this war. And uh, what got me to join is what looked like a systematic targeting of Palestinian journalists so early on. I, like many others, uh, rushed to the syndicate to see if there is anything we can do. And uh, since then, 
none of us imagined that a uh, hundred days later we're still doing the same thing that we thought that we will be able to stop by highlighting. We failed. And it's not that what's happening to journalists in Gaza isn't being highlighted, he says. It's being reported. But that's where he sees problems. Most of the incidents are reported, but the way they are framed, how much weight these claims were given, and the way they were presented, equivalent to the counterclaims and the license to slander and accuse every Palestinian, whether journalist, poet, or whatever, of being a legitimate target of Israel's uh, military campaign, uh, has enabled the continuation of the killing campaign against our journalists. So let's talk about one of the latest incidents that happened just a few weeks ago. Hamza al-Dahdu, our Al Jazeera colleague, was killed. Hamza's father, Wael, is Al Jazeera's Gaza bureau chief. He was wounded in a previous airstrike that killed his cameraman, Sama Abu Dhaka. That followed an attack in which three generations of Wael's family, including his wife, were killed. Now, in this January strike, that happened a few weeks ago, Hamza was traveling with other journalists in a car in Gaza. He was killed alongside Mustafa Thuraya, a friend and a freelance journalist working for AFP. And one of the most heartbreaking interviews, it, they compound because there are so many tragic interviews that Wael al-Dahdu, the father of Hamza, has given. And in one in which he was talking to the press after the killing of his son, he said, the world must see with its own eyes and not Israel's eyes. It should see and listen to everything happening to the Palestinian people. What did Hamza do to Israel? What did my family do to them? What did the innocent civilians in the Gaza Strip do to them? They didn't do anything. But the world turns a blind eye to what's happening in Gaza. But Wael's voice has rarely been heard outside of Arabic media. And it's not just one journalist or one family of a journalist. Had it been any other nation that had lost some of its top journalists and close to 10% of the journalists in Gaza alone, I think the level of outrage would have been uh, not a single mainstream media outlet has spoken to our syndicate in a serious way. You haven't seen the Palestinian journalists uh, on TV except to report the killing of their colleagues haven't been properly interviewed until some of these quotes that uh, Wael has been coming, you know. I think Wael has been rewording this for, what, three months now? Rewording the same plea that the media coverage is helping this. I think for anybody who's heard the latest sentence or phrasing that we're being killed, twice, once by the bombs and the other by the silence. And it came across as mild, you know, uh, to be honest with you. Situation is beyond imagination. And look, we've been talking for how long and we're just talking about those who were killed. As you heard, 
Anand and his organization are saying almost 10% of the journalists in Gaza have been killed. The percentage of journalists, for example, who were killed across the Gaza Strip shows also a level of targeting. Our investigations shows that the majority, vast majority of those were targeted. For example, uh, 96 out of 109 journalists were actually targeted. And there are others we couldn't determine who was the specific target for the strike. So it could still be them. So, but at least 96 were specifically targeted according to our uh, investigations. And it's having an impact on the journalism. Mustafa Thureya, who we mentioned before was with Hamza, was a cameraman. The common perception in Gaza was that they were attacked because Mustafa was one of the last uh, skilled media drone operators who are uh, and have been showing the level of destruction caused by Israel's uh, military campaign all over Gaza. After the break, we hear from journalists in Gaza and one journalist who's left. On the next Necessary Tomorrows, the United States is returning to the moon. And liftoff of Artemis One. We're in a space race today, just as we were in the 1960s. And the stakes are even higher. But some, like science fiction writer Deji Alukatin, wondered if humanity would learn lessons from its past. If we're going to move off of our planet, how do we do that in a responsible way? We can't assume that we can just grab whatever we want and it'll come back. Sharing the Stars on Necessary Tomorrows, a new podcast by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Last week, our colleague, Wael al-Dahdu, left Gaza. He's now in Qatar, seeking medical treatment. Wael was injured a month ago in the same Israeli attack that killed our colleague, cameraman Samir Abu Daqa. With God's will, I will be back to my work after treating my hand. But not every journalist makes that choice to continue. Ismail al-Dahdu, the Dahdus are a big family in Gaza, studied journalism. But he only started working as a journalist when the war began in October. He says it was November when he decided to quit. It's because I lost a lot of my colleagues and close friends during the war. And I have two children and a family who need my protection. My family is more important than telling the story to a world that doesn't understand humanity. Akram al-Satari, a freelance journalist who works with us in the south of Gaza, says working as a journalist there is emotionally draining. It's scary. I lost some of my colleagues. Some of them I worked with closely. Uh, One of them was a fixer who used to work for French media. And another one was also a fixer and a reporter. He was making photos and features about Gaza situation. And he ended up killed in his own home. And he ended up uh, injured in the neck and lost his life uh, less than an hour after his injury. However, 
that never stops us from continuing to pursue the truth and to try to cover the reality of the situation that people in Gaza have been living. And that rings true for the new generation, too. Like Lama Al-Jamous, who's nine years old. She posts videos on social media of her interviews in a press vest and a helmet. My message to you or to everybody? Like this one, with none other than Wa'il Al-Zahdu. We're going through hard times and historical and decisive moments during which our people pay a high and painful price. There are martyrs, body parts, and destruction. But at the same time, God's willing, our people are steadfast and patient, and we will come out of this adversity, as long as we have people smiling like you. Hind al also reports for Al Jazeera in the Gaza Strip. So not only... Uh, people um, uh, covering this war and people only holding cameras and reporting. We have lives, we are friends, we have uh, jokes, we have secrets. Journalists in Gaza report for local news like Palestine TV, Wafa, Al-Aqsa, as well as international media, Arabic websites, Arabic language TV, English-speaking media, French, Russian, the list goes on. And 100 days into the war, we heard from several different journalists in Gaza talking about what it's been like and what they miss. I miss my bed very much, and I miss sitting with my family around the dinner table. I saw my family in the last 100 days, three times for an hour or two only. I miss our house. I don't know what happened to it. I miss my house and my office that were destroyed. I miss myself. I want to be with myself and rest and have silence and safety, at least for an hour. Everything that happens in the Gaza Strip happens to the journalists covering the Gaza Strip too, Hind says. We're being displaced just like people in the Gaza Strip. We're also starving. We're also losing our memories and belongings. Our houses were bombed. Our families were killed. But what keeps us going is we still believe that we have to continue to report and to storytell and to tell what's going on in Gaza. So we continue to report because we believe we are born uh, to report. And this is not only our passion. Uh, we are continuing uh, the, the journey of Uh, our colleagues that have been killed by Israel uh, in the past days. The day after we spoke to Anan from the press syndicate, he heard from Hala Asfour, another journalist still on the ground. She'd sent this to Palestiniyat, a group that helps female journalists. Hala was near Al Nasser Hospital in Khan Yunis, as it was slammed by Israeli forces. She gave Anan permission to share it with us. About 70% of the people have left. There's barely a street between us and the Israelis. A lot of journalists have left. The situation is very bad. We are not made to handle this sort of situation. We, We are having to make decisions that 
you know, at the level of risk or uh, stakes that far beyond what we are used to in the sense of even advising journalists what is the safest thing. The decisions that people have to make are uh, unimaginable. And we notice the press credentials count for nothing if you're Palestinian. The level of outrage is nowhere near by the organizations that are supposedly there to protect press freedom. So, Anon, I wonder what you make of this recent report from The Intercept that showed the difference in coverage between U.S. outlets' coverage of Israel and what's happening in Gaza. They write, The tallies reveal a gross imbalance in the way Israelis and pro-Israel figures are covered versus Palestinians and pro-Palestinian voices, with usages that favor Israeli narratives over Palestinian ones. Am I surprised? No. You're asking the wrong person uh, for that. We, we're, we, we've gotten used to it. I find it offensive. I've always found it offensive. I find that uh, international media for a long time, many of it, creates a safe haven for anti-Palestinian racism. No other form of racism is accepted. To use an example, Channel 4 did a report about Hamza and Mustafa. And after the story in the studio, not a Palestinian journalist or voice, not the head of the International Federation for Journalists, not the head of British Federation of Journalists, not a famous British journalist who is outraged about this campaign. Instead, an Israeli spokesperson to talk about one of the most horrific and obvious and well-documented crimes that has Israel has committed during this war, which is the killing of two journalists for covering an Israeli strike. And from the ground in Gaza, Hind is calling on journalists around the world to make a different choice, to listen to the journalists in Gaza and to look out for them. In every conflict, there is a global and international protection for for journalists. Journalists are literally being targeted. We call for protection, just like any journalist working as normally in this world. After months of doing this work, of trying to help the journalists in Gaza and trying to highlight their stories, Anan has come to a very sad conclusion. These journalists are seen as a portal of hope for many of the people in Gaza because they are the ones who are getting the story to the world. And that is seen as one of the ways that it can be stopped by killing them one by one with huge impunity. Uh, is almost showing off the ability to kill hope in Gaza. Israel has targeted some of the brightest minds uh, in our profession, journalists, poets, writers, uh, community leaders, lecturers, university lecturers. It seems that you have to die as a journalist in Gaza for your name to become relevant, to, for your work to become relevant. If you look at the mainstream media coverage of the killing of our journalists, they're rarely mentioned as a husband or a 
father or a grandfather, the names of their family members or ages are numbers. But we see them differently. We know these people. We know but we can't. We are not able to bring the attention to the world. And I think we will need to reflect on this for a long time. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters with extra help from Sariel Khalili. With Ishish Malhotra, Chloe K. Lee, David Enders, Farinisa Campana, Khalid Sultan, Miranda Lynn, Nagin Oliayi, Sonia Bagat, Zaina Badr, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.